Hey, welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with me. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Let's let a professional handle this. <laughs> this is Hoops Coaching A to Z with my husband, Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into all things coaching. Come join us as we visit with some of the best coaching minds in the business to help grow our profession. Here you go, honey. Back to you. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy, happy Independence Day. We're really excited about this episode of Hoops Coaching A to Z with me, Coach Terry Canova, or as my wife uh, does a much better job of uh, making that point. But uh, we're going to do a little double episode today. Um, I wanted to do something on some ideas, some tips uh, on being a great assistant coach. I know as a head coach, you're only as good as your assistant coach. And so what I, what I was able to do was I got two guests I'm going to have on here this week that are as big time as it gets. Everybody in the country has heard of Bruce Pearl, the head men's basketball coach at Auburn. And everybody in the world has heard of Coach Kim Mulkey, the head women's basketball coach at LSU. Well, what I am excited about is on this episode, we're going to get to hear from Coach Bruce Pearl's assistant coach, Chad Pruitt, and Coach Kim Mulkey's assistant coach, Coach Bob Starkey. Two great guys, two amazing coaches, Ironically, these two guys got to work alongside of each other, so to speak, uh, as uh, Coach Starkey was at Auburn this past year. So they know each other, they learn learn from each other, and, and both really, really respect one another. And so this is going to be an incredible episode, Fourth of July special, two amazing guests, and, uh, and so we're going to dive right in. So our first guest is going to be from Auburn University. Assistant men's basketball coach, Chad Pruitt. You know, this guy I've got with us first, uh, Coach Chad Pruitt. Man, he's been a very, very successful high school coach, won a state championship on both the boys' and girls' side. Uh, and now now he's babysitting Coach Pearl over at Auburn. So uh, let's let's have a wonderful, wonderful welcome to, uh, to Coach Chad Pruitt from Auburn University. What's up, Chad? What's up, Coach? How you doing, man? Man, man, I'm good. I, I wanted, you know, uh, you know, we, we do these things a couple weeks in advance and, and, and this 4th of July episode where we're taping, I wanted to do something special. Normally I have one guest on, but, uh, you know, we just spent a little time over with Coach Starkey at LSU at, at that team camp and, and uh, been wanting to do one on, on, on assisting coaches. I mean, because Lord knows – I, I can't do anything without my assistant coaches. They're, they're invaluable. And, and you guys are at, at two of the best programs in the country, uh, one on the men's side, one on the women's side. And want to just talk a little bit about some of your duties there and, uh, and what it takes to be a good assistant. Uh, but, but Chad, but before we got to get into all that, tell us a little bit about your background and tell us how you ended up at Auburn. 
Yeah, you know, you talk about, you know, being a great assistant. I, I'm obviously have been on both sides of that. I was a high school coach for 19 years, um, 17, maybe even 18 of those was as a, as a head coach. So I'm 21 years old <laughs> trying to figure it out, you know, and thought I knew a lot about basketball and found out pretty quickly that, uh, that I didn't. But, I, you know, I always wanted to be great and I always wanted to be prepared. And so um, I found myself just studying. I, I remember – going to clinics every single year. I remember buying the tape series from Don Meyer. If you remember Don Meyer. And what yes, he indeed. Did. And so I'd sit there for hours and just try to develop my philosophy. And I remember those early years, you know, just kind of going through each situation. Um, you know, I'm 49 now, but I remember at, at 22, you don't know what you're going to do when somebody jumps you to half court with a one, three, one or whatever. And so, you know, you kind of develop that over the years. And so um, I would, I'll be honest with you, when I started as a head coach, I would say the first seven or eight years, I tried to do everything. Um, you know, I had an assistant, but didn't really use the assistant. And uh, I remember seven, eight, ten years into into being a, a head coach, I, I just, I don't know if it was a leadership, you know, seminar or podcast that I heard, but somebody talked to, to me about just empowering others and how, you know, if I can make somebody, the best leaders are servant leaders and the best leaders give, you know, give duties to other coaches and other folks underneath you and allow yourself to grow. And I just remember trying that out. And, you know, the first thing I did is gave up like underneath out of bounds or something, you know, it wasn't wasn't anything major, but, you know, I would say my last year as a high school coach at Lee Scott, I had, um, you know, I had given, I usually had two assistants and I had given a lot of stuff to those guys um, to kind of be prepared for. And it just kind of got me ready for what I'm doing now. You know, you think about now, man, you look over on the bench at, at our level and you got seven, eight, ten guys in suits, you know, um, everybody trying to figure out what we all do. Um, but, but we all have a we all have a job. We all have a, a, a thing that we're looking for. And so, you know, I I valued an, a great assistant. Um, and I know you're going to get into some some questions, so I won't I won't steal your thunder. But, you know, to me a great assistant is, is someone that's kind of looking and going a little bit before you and, and, and they're, they're locked in on some things specifically as you're trying to see the whole, um, you know, so basketball so fast. I, I, I kid, uh, Rhett Lashley, you know, head coach at uh, SMU is a really good friend of mine. I, I tell him all the time, I say, man, you got 30 seconds in between each play call. You know, it doesn't happen that way on the basketball court. You're con- it's constant and you got to be able to make, uh, adjustments and, and on the fly and be and, and have some flexibility in your game plan and so all that kind of came at me really quickly um, but it just kind of got me ready for for the role that I'm playing here at Auburn. Yeah you, you know I, I've joked with my football coaching buddies as well you know we 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 basketball coaches obviously know that we can coach any sport because our sport you know like you said there's no there's no there's no play clock you know, we got to coach offense and defense. We got to coach transition in between. So, yeah, absolutely. We we are much more prepared than those guys uh, with, with the 30 second play clock. But, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned Don Meyer. You know, you, you and I are kind of similar, similar time frame. I, I did the same thing, man. Those Don Meyer tapes were were so special back then. And Coach Meyer was a, was an amazing coach. I, I never had a chance to go to any of his clinics. But but I felt like I knew him because I watched so many of his tapes. I mean, he he had a catalog of what, 25, 30 tapes and everything you can think of. And and so, yeah, so, so I, I did the same thing. And, you, you know, I think I think, Chad, one of the things I think helped me uh, 
prepare me to be a head coach and, and, and really value my assistance is the first guy I work for, uh, and, and prayers for my guy. He's battling some cancer right now. His name's Gary Mitchell. He was a coach at Ruston High School. And his first coach I, I worked for, and man, he just basically gave me the keys to the car and said, and, and it put me and, and another guy, Coach Jeff McCracken, who ended up being a really good high, head coach as well, and just said, hey, you guys handle the freshman team. It's yours. Handle it. Then on, on varsity nights, he gave me a role. And so I just appreciated that so much. And, and, and you know how it is when a, when a coach will, will allow you to be so invested. If, if you got any salt with you at all, you're going to dive in with both feet and, and really, really, you know, enjoy that and do the best you can for the guy. Yeah. 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 No question. I mean, no question about it. What was, uh, what were some of the things that, that you did when you first uh, was an assistant? You remember some of the duties you had? So, so honestly, um, you know, one of them, it was kind of, kind of obscure, I guess, is uh, I held the rule book. Uh, Cause, cause we had, we had five assistants at Ruston high and all five of us became head coaches. So I'm the low man on a totem pole. So for, so for varsity night, I, he, uh, Coach Mitchell had had us with a rule had a rule book, and one of us had to have the rule book. And and I think my other duty on varsity nights was was probably managing timeouts, maybe or, or keeping track of timeouts, something something like that. Something very very small on varsity night. Yeah, till you mess up. Yeah, it's very right. small till you till you call a timeout when you don't have one. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Well, so. So let's talk a little more, a little more about uh, your your, uh, your time at Lee Scott and, and and also Faith Academy down here in Mobile. So as as a young coach, uh, you were at Faith before you were at Lee Scott, is that right? Yep, I started at Escambia down in South Alabama and went from there to Faith. Uh, was able to win a, you know a couple of championships, a few championships at Escambia. Coached girls and boys at Escambia, and then when I went to Faith. Um, I only coached the boys and it was kind of intriguing to me because I had been used to practicing two 30 to five with the girls and five to seven 30 with the boys. This was for years, seven or eight years. Um, and so uh, when, when they called me from faith and tried to they actually tried to hire me two or three times. And when I finally took the job, it was literally because, Hey, we want you to coach only boys basketball. And I was thinking, man, what am I going to do with all this free time? Of course <laughs> you, get, you end up plugging so many other things in it, but you know, I love my I love my time at Faith. I loved uh, um, you know the difference in the level of athlete. We had a great athletes at Faith. Um, you know, when I went from Faith to Lee Scott, where we didn't have as great of athletes, you had to kind of coach differently. So, if you look at the time I was at, at Faith versus the time I was at Lee Scott, some things were staples. You know, um, I was always going to run and jump, especially on the girl side. Um, I was always going, I believed in doubling the basketball, I believed in enforcing, you know, you know, the other team to make multiple, multiple plays to beat you. Um, I was always going to play a little matchup zone. I loved man to man. And that was my, that was the core, but you were all, you was going to see some kind of matchup zone every game. Um, I love to try to steal possessions with underneath out of bounds and side out of bounds. And so it just taught me when I look back, I would change nothing of, of, of my past because you know, there was times where I had great talent and there was times where I didn't have great talent and it just allowed me to learn kind of the whole. Um, and then, you know, you, you think about the times I was at least Scott, I was girls, I was coaching girls and boys. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, people say, well, how could you do it? There was many of those years where we were really athletic and on both sides, on both teams, and we could play similarly. 
Now, when we weren't, that's when you really, man, you just you had totally different practice plans. You had totally different mindset. Um, but I think it kind of got me ready for, you know, for the for the level that we're at now. You, you know, we, we have that in common as well. My, my first head coaching job at uh, Catholic High School in New Iberia, I coached both the boys and girls. I had the boys for one year. And then our athletic director, uh, Kathy Roy, asked me if I would do the girls as well. And I remember thinking, you know, I've got to be there anyway. And, 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 you know, the girls, they weren't very good. I don't think they had won more than four games in a year. And so I'm thinking it'd be a lot more fun trying to help this group than sitting up in the stands having to watch it, you know. <laughs> and so, but, but you're exactly right. Uh, you know, sometimes those practice plans are pretty similar. But other times I remember at first I, I realized that the athletes we had on the girls' side were a little higher level in the beginning than, than maybe our boys were in, in, rel- in relation to our competition. Right. And because uh, like in the boys, we'd have to go down and play Patterson High School where all of the Hilliards came from, you know, and they got athletes out the wazoo. The girls, not so much good teams, but not as not as good athletes. So our girls, we could do a little more of a, aggressive stuff. You know, whereas the boys, we had yeah. a little more slower tempo, a little more five out motion and, and, and kind of grind and, you know, uh, be a little more patient. Girls, we could run it, run up and down a little more. So, yeah, I, I, I do remember those days of two hour practice girls, two hour practice guys. And uh, and like you say, when you get to coach one team, it's almost like you uh, you're stealing money. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what I didn't realize, it was just getting me ready, as you know, because you've been at that level. Division one level there, you know, you go can to can. I mean, you know, you go from early in the morning to late at night. So what I didn't realize is those years of coaching both teams was just getting me ready for for a division one level. Yeah, for sure. So a little bit more about your high school. So so at, at Escambia, I would guess you probably didn't have too many assistant coaches at, at Escambia. You said you had two at, at least, Scott. What, what about Escambia and Faith? Did you have any assistant coaches there? I did. I had two at two at Faith. I had um, and I may have had two bodies at Escambia, you know, um, but mainly one coach. And we would always find somebody. I was kind of even at a young age, a big believer in trying to trying to help people as they're trying to get started. Of course, I was I wasn't but 22, 23 years old myself, um, but I like to try to bring some people along. So uh, it you know what? Looking back, I always tried to help those guys and, and ladies that were on my staff. Um, I just, as I got older and more mature and a little wiser, you know, started using them a little bit more. And then by the time I left Lee Scott, I was, I was really very dependent on my assistants. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so let's switch gears a little bit now. Um, so now you're at Auburn, you know, obviously everybody knows, you know, the, the kind of program you have there. And, and I know at, at Auburn, you've had a number of different roles. So, so, so first share, share for the people who don't know, share with them some of the roles you've had as an assistant coach for Bruce Pearl at Auburn. <laughs> it's been crazy. I've been, I've been basically in every seat on the bench, but the head coaching seat, you know, and so it's been really cool. You look back now and, you know, the only the only coaches that were there at the beginning were me, Stephen Pearl, and Bruce Pearl. Everybody else has come later, um, even though we've had great continuity the last four or five years on our staff. Um, but, you know, it's it's it being an athletic director at a young age. I was an athletic director at 25, um, thrown into a leadership position, um, being a girls and basketball coach. 
uh, boys basketball coach at the same time, having to do a little bit of everything. And you know that at the high school level, I mean, you may, you might drive the bus, you might sweep the floor, you, you know, you get whatever happened, you had to make sure it happened. Um, really prepared me, you know, for this moment. Um, you know, so I started out as special assistant to the head coach. I was running camps. I was helping with fundraising. I was doing, um, you know, a lot of charity work, um, you know, on the basketball side, I've always been, uh, you know, my contribution to the, to, to, to the team and the program's kind of been the dribble drive offense, you know, some quick hitters that I've picked up over the years that we, that we'll run. Um, and then the matchup zone and the, and the two, two, one press, you know, some of the things that we did, you know, that's kind of been what I do on the basketball side, but, you know, I've been director of ops. I've been, um, you know, I'm chief of staff now. I've been assistant coach. You know, I've done just a little bit about, you know, of everything. And so what's really cool about, and I will, I know we'll get into this, what's really cool about the way Coach Pearl utilizes his staff is we find the strength of each person on our staff and we make sure they operate in that strength. You know, most of our frustration um, in life comes when we try to get outside of our strengths. Right. If you're going to operate in your weakness, I remember at, at least Scott, I had a girl. Um, her name was Sheely White and Sheely White was a little fireball. And it, I mean, she would steal the basketball as fast as anybody and as good as anybody I'd ever coached. And she was just tough. But what she would do is before we could get the ball back, she would turn the ball over. She'd travel. She'd throw it away. And I remember one day saying, Sheely, don't ever dribble again, sweetheart. Just hold the ball. <laughs> and we laugh about it now. But I would, you know, I'd use that as illustration because what was happening is her greatest strength was to steal the ball. But we couldn't even enjoy her greatest strength because before she, we were able to get the ball back, she had already thrown it out of the gym. And so, um, you know, I think I love the way Coach, you know, utilizes the staff because that's what we're able to do. We all stay in our lane. Now we've got the staff that really hasn't changed in five years. So, you know, we all know what we're doing. Um, you know, we'll cross over and do whatever we need to, but we all kind of have a job. And Coach is not big into titles. Um, you know, so like if a manager has a great idea of, of, you know, what to do against the pick and roll or somebody's hurting us in this action, he going to listen. And so, you know, that really impressed me and really stuck with me. We'll sit around our, in our conference room. Coach is a big voter, too. Like he votes on stuff. So like he wants to know, like, you know, what does the staff think about, you know, trying to trying to blitz the, the pick and roll? You know, or you know, what does the staff think about, you know, you know, going zone after timeouts or whatever? Um, you know, he's big into input and I think it shows so much confidence in your staff and it lets it kind of just, just the, the ego to put your ego aside and say, you know what, I probably know more than you, but I'm not, we're going to put that to the side. I'm asking you your opinion. I value your opinion. And so that really, really has stuck with me of how he utilizes the strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Coach, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be right back and, and chat a little more. Want to get away for the best vacation ever? Consider a group trip, whether a cruise or an all-inclusive resort. Let Toes in the Sand Travel help you get there. There are some amazing perks for group cruisers. Trust us, we do one almost every year, and we help so many of our friends as well. For a trip of a lifetime, give us a call. You can message me on Facebook at Kimberly Tanner Canova, 
Or you can find our Facebook page, Toes in the Sand Travel, but be sure it's the one that has our smiling faces on there. Just reach out, we'll help you. Hey honey, will you get packed? We got a cruise ship waiting on us now. <laughs> Let's go. All right, so we're back. Um, give my my beautiful bride a call and let her book your next trip. It does not cost you a penny extra to use Toes in the Sand Travel. She will hook you up and take care of you. I'm chatting here with Coach uh, Chad Pruitt at uh, Auburn University men's basketball staff and talking about, uh, you know, what it takes to be a great assistant coach. And we're talking about some of his million duties with uh, with Coach Pearl uh, what about, uh, you know, we, we all have a pretty good idea what, what you do and, and, and the number of things you do. Has there any been, been anything really crazy or off the wall you've had to do? And you really kind of sat back and scratched your head and said, I didn't know this was part of my job description. Oh my God. <laughs> and look, Chad, oh. literally that just popped in my head. So, <laughs> oh. well, you just think about like, literally, um, first of all, let's just be honest. Now, Coach Coach Pearl is a sight. Now, he is wide open. He's got ideas every second of the day. So, you know, you know, I, I've seen him. You know, this is this is no lie. We we have something called Outlive, where we it's our fight against cancer, right? And so he's wearing a shirt one day, his Outlive shirt, and he's talking to a. He just found out a lady that had been diagnosed with cancer, and. Uh, he said, hold my bag. He had a bag in his hand. He said, hold my bag. Next thing I know, he's taking his shirt off and handing this lady his shirt, you know, right in the middle. We're talking about people everywhere. And I thought, and I, and I looked around, I thought this was early on. I thought, man, this guy's crazy. Um, but the passion that he has, literally, I could probably tell you something every single day that just him and I, you know, kind of get into. Um, but he talks about this all the time. And we've, I've actually passed this down to the rest of our staff. Um, you know, not being too big to do anything. Right. So, so what the biggest thing that sticks out to me about coach Pearl is his willingness to do whatever it takes to be successful. That means if he needs to go grab the broom and sweep the floor, he'll go grab the broom and sweep the floor. That sticks out to me. And, and, and you think about coach Pearl really being at the, at the height of the game, right? I mean, there's, there's not many coaches, if any, or any better than him um, at this stage but yet he has the heart uh, of a servant. And, and I think because of that, a lot of our other staff has taken on those same roles. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's so cool. And, and, and you're right. Uh, that, I think that's the most rewarding thing in, in our profession is when, when you take young coaches or old coaches, whatever, under your wing and, and, and you work for them long enough and you start seeing some of the things that you're most proud of you see them doing the same things in in return. It's just just giving it back, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's almost like, and you you're there now too. But you, it's almost like when people that you've coached become coaches, right? Yeah. Um, you know, or, or start doing things in the society. You just have a a sense of pride about you because some of those same things. When you know, I get texts all the time. You remember when you told us this? Well, I don't remember, but it stuck with them, and I'm like, yeah, of course, that's great. I'm glad you're doing that. You know, and so to see those 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 guys and, and young ladies that to jump into whether it's coaching or whatever, and use some of the things you taught them, it just means the world to you. 
Yeah, un- unfortunately, one of my f- former players and assistant coach knocked me out of the uh, the playoffs this year. She went to the Final Four, and I got I got sent home. That was a whew, yeah, that's, 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 now. Yeah. that's a that's a hard one to swallow, right there. Now on, on the on the on the flip side, uh, one of the last podcasts we recorded, a young lady, Raven Justice, she uh, she's at Sam Houston State. She's the uh, head coach there. And uh, she got coach of the year in the Southland Conference two years ago. So uh, awesome. she she told a cool story. Uh, I, I kind of unofficially started recruiting her at Louisiana Tech women's basketball camp when I was coaching at Nichols. And uh, she tells a funny story that uh, Coach Barmore uh, walked up, you know, legendary Coach Barmore. You got Kim Mulkey. You got all these Hall of Famers around. And she uh, he asked, he asked her, he says, uh, Raven, what's your favorite thing about camp? And she said, uh, Coach Canova. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, tell, so just real quick. And one of the things before we leave, Chad, I, I do want to talk about, uh, your daughter. Cause, uh, in, in a, in a book she wrote, I had a chance to read, I hadn't got through the whole thing yet, but I, and I know as a, as a dad to, to girls, uh, you know, I know how proud you are of her. So we definitely going to talk about Maddie here in a second, but, uh, assistant coach, if, if you can, if you can name two or three things, uh, I, I know th- they do so much for us. Uh, just a couple tips, a couple pointers for maybe a young assistant coach out there that's trying to learn the ropes and figure out, you know, how to navigate their way through through it as a new assistant. Any any advice you can give? Yeah, I, I'll tell you one of the things that I look for in an assistant is a problem solver. I love to have people around me that will, will look ahead and try to solve problems. We all can, we all can see the problem, you know, but having somebody that's kind of thinking a little bit outside the box, you know, even in our, even with our managers, you know, we do that here at, at Auburn. We look for those guys, even at a young age that has the ability to solve the problem without having to come to me every single time about the problem. And so, you know, that's one of the things that really sticks out to me. And I'll be honest with you, those are it's kind of getting harder and harder to find people that will kind of take that chance and that risk. There is a risk in doing that, right? You, you yeah. could do it wrong. You could say the wrong thing. You could handle it wrong. But I love folks that will kind of step out of their comfort zone uh, and try to solve a problem. Just loyalty. I think loyalty to me is the, is the greatest thing. We all have our ideas of what we would do if we were head coach. It's easy to sit back and say those things. Um, you know, but we, we have a saying at our, at our deal is when we walk out of that conference room, we're all pulling the same direction. You may, we may have a war in that conference room. We may all think differently about how we're going to guard a, an opponent or what we're going to do. But when we walk out of that, that room, we're all saying the same exact thing. And I think, I think, you know, we've all seen what disloyalty will do uh, yeah. to a coaching staff or to a team. And so when you find somebody who's just going to be loyal to a fault, um, I think you found somebody that, uh, that that'll make you better. And then, you know, you got to find somebody who just absolutely hates to lose. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people who say that, um, but the people who really, really hate to lose, um, you got to have those folks around you. And, you know, we, we could get into a million little s- small things that, that we look for on a daily basis. And we're, we're actually doing some hires. We're at, we're right now, we're looking for, you know, some, some GAs and some other folks, uh, you know, in our program. And it's amazing, man. The same thing you look for in your assistant coach. You're looking for, you know, with a creative person or a social media person. You want to have folks that aren't going to be just yes men, right? Stretch me. Make me better. You know, don't just tell me what you what I already know how I feel about it. I want to know how you feel about it. And how do you have the guts to say, 
Coach Canova, I just don't think that's the right move. You know, we've and we've had several of those times where I've had, to, you know, I've said to Coach Pearl, said to other coaches, and they've done it as well. You know, we just don't agree with with that call. You know, at the same time, you got to know. I say this all the time. You got to know when to close your mouth and when to open your mouth. And I think timing is something that that uh, a great assistant coach has the ability to to know when it's the right time to do which one. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. Uh, and and you may make a great point uh, about. And it's, it says a lot about your program at, there at Auburn, you know, not wanting yes, man, because because I'm sure there are coaches out there across the country uh, in certain places that that do want yes, man, that that are insecure in, in, in their own skin and uh, and, and want to hear that their their idea is always the, the right way. But but I'm sure those guys don't stay in that spot very long. No. <laughs> no, they don't. I, I think, you know, to, to that point, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking for an assistant coach, um, I'm looking to fill a weakness, maybe I'm trying to add into it. So like, if I've got a pool of 25 uh, applicants, I'm looking for somebody who's going to make me better, maybe in an area where I need help. And I think a lot of head coaches, a lot of times just try to hire the best, the best qualified person. But for me, and we even tell our, our kids this all the time, we don't need you to be great at everything. We don't. If, you, if you're a good shooter, we want you to become a great shooter. If you're a good rebounder, we want you to become a great rebounder. We don't need our great rebounders necessarily taking threes, you know. And so I'm the same way with our assistant coaches, man. We don't need you to know everything. But if you have, you know, side out of bounds offense, we want to be the best we can be at side out of bounds offense, you know. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're putting together breakdown drills for our, for our offense, we want you locked in on putting together breakdown drills for offense that are, we're going to actually improve and build great habits each and every day. And so I always look for, for people that can, that can come beside me and, and the things that I'm not great at fill in and make me better. And I think that's what, boy, that, that's when you got to put your ego to the side because a lot of times we act like we know it all. Yeah, there's no, no question, no question. Well, all right, Dad. Now you've got, uh, and I guess we can we can say it. I mean, you got a famous daughter, man. Your famous daughter. She was on national TV, um, and I'll be honest, didn't see her on there. I, 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 my wife told me. My wife pointed to the TV and said, "Hey, uh, isn't that your guy at Auburn's daughter there? You know, because I don't watch." It. My wife knew all about it, but I, what I did do. And and I, I'm in the middle of doing is reading her book, uh, Maddie Pruitt, your baby girl, made for this moment, uh, a, a book she wrote, and 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 man, I know, I mean, you're, you're always going to be proud of your daughter, regardless. But reading her book now, you know, you, you think a, a girl that was on the Bachelor, a lady that was on the Bachelor, I mean, she got some stuff that can help some coaches now. She's got some, got some good stuff in there. You can tell she's a coach's daughter. Tell, tell us a little bit about that, man. Well, first of all, thank you for asking about that. You know, she, uh, I coach Maddie. And if you read the book, you'll kind of hear, see some story. We had some interesting times, as you imagine. You know, Maddie was, I'm going to say this nicely, she was very strong-willed. And uh, she, I won't say stubborn or other words, but there was, there was times where, you know, she just, she had in her mind the way it should be. And there was times where I always had in my mind how it should be. And sometimes was, we didn't always see eye to eye, but always appreciated her passion for the game. And Maddie wanted to be the absolutely best every time she stepped on the court. So um, I, I would, the, 
the best thing that we ever did was just to be able to coach, maybe able to coach her and spend that time because you know this, when you go through battles with people, right, whether it's your family or your friends or just your teammates or coaches, man, there's a bond that takes place that you can't, you can't replace. Um, you can't. And so what, what I think about now with, with Maddie, she, she did this book called made for this moment. And if you don't know the story, she made a, you know, made a stand for her faith, kind of see her, um, portray the toughness, the same toughness that I saw, you know, on the basketball court years and years ago and the same determination. Um, she got a chance to do that in a totally different way and to not, to not bow down or give in to what she's always believed. And, um, you know, there's not many, there's not many of us that could have done that. She was under intense pressure with millions of people watching and, um, you know, just proud of it. So, you know, when she got back, she, you know, she started writing, she had already written most of that book before she ever went on the bachelor. And so using the things that happened on the bachelor gave her an opportunity to kind of bring in that audience of a lot of the new fans that she had, because so many people were so proud of to see somebody that had the guts to stand up for what she believed in. And so it's been a great uh, ministry platform for her and been awesome to see what God's doing in her life. Well, I I know you're proud and we'll have to tag Maddie on this as well. Uh, But uh, it it is a tremendous book. I'm telling you, there's some great lessons in that and and, and really good stuff that we can all learn from for sure. She talks about one of my favorite parts of the book. She talks about preparation. And we used to we used to have preseason basketball. Right. So for three or four months, um, you know, from basically summer all the way leading up to, you know, we worked hard we worked our girls out hard um obviously you had some restrictions from a coaching standpoint but not from a conditioning standpoint right so she talks about preparation and um you know she didn't make that stand and that make that decision in the moment right in front of 10 million people that moment she made the decision of what she how she wanted her life to be and some of the things that she wanted to do and some of the things she wasn't going to do she made that decision long ago and so it just talked about the power of preparation and being ready for when that moment comes. And, you know, we've said that so many times to our team, you know, are you going to be ready when the moment comes? Well, you can't wake up one day and just say, okay, I'll be ready. That's not how it works. It's, it's years and years of practice of preparing yourself for that moment. And so she brings that into, uh, into focus. She talks a little bit about, you know, her, uh, you know, her days on the basketball court and running heels and, you know, lines and all the things that you do. Um, and it kind of relates that to, to, to real life. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chad, look, man, uh, I, I cannot thank you enough for jumping on here with us. Um, been wanting to have you on here for a while and, uh, and I'd really like to do it again. I'd like to get on here and talk about a little defense and, and, and talk, uh, and, and do that. But again, I know, I know how busy your, your days are and uh, I know you guys, have, uh, got camps coming up and, and, and whatnot. So, Thanks again for spending a few minutes with us. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And, and also just uh, appreciate our friendship and appreciate the times I've been been able to go up to Auburn. You know, you give me, give me direct access and, and watch some film with you guys and watch practice. And so, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a hoops junkie, I always love that. So I hope to do it again soon. Man, that's awesome. I've enjoyed being with you. I know you're talking to Coach Starkey as well. Coach Starkey's a legend, man. He is the best. And uh, you want to talk about an unbelievable assistant coach. It doesn't get any better than, than Bob Stark. Love my time with him, you know, last year or so at Auburn and, and just sitting down trying to make each other better. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No, that's what that's you know, and and that's hopefully in a in a small way, this podcast is doing that for some guys out there. Just you know, I, I'm I'm blessed. I know I know a lot of really really good coaches, and and so you know, if 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 somebody can can get a nugget or two from each one of these, man, that's that's what it's all about. So. Uh, Thanks so much, man. Uh, take care of yourself, and I uh, hope, hope we get to see you soon. I hope so, man. Take care. War Eagle. All right, brother. There you go, Coach Chad Pruitt from the University of Auburn men's basketball. Just an incredible coach, successful high school coach on his own right, now doing it on the highest level, one of the best programs in the country with uh, Coach Bruce Pearl. Amazing guy, amazing coach. Uh, blessed to have him on the podcast. Uh, so now, next up. Let's do uh, Coach Bob Starkey at LSU. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, again, this is a special 4th of July episode. And uh, I knew when we did an episode on assistant coaches, my, my dream guest was going to be Coach Bob Starkey. Uh, Bob, 30 years SEC experience, uh, really highlighted by his stints at LSU, Coach some tremendous teams, some tremendous players at LSU, both men and women's side. And now Bob is back home. Welcome, our guest, uh, Coach Bob Starkey. Terry, great to be here and great to be back at LSU. Well, well, I know, Bob, I know you're originally from West Virginia, but I, I saw, uh, I don't know if it was a blurb, when, when you got uh, offered a chance to go back to LSU, you referred to it as going back home. So I know, if nothing else, it is absolutely your basketball home for sure, right? Well, you know, we were here previously for 25 years. Uh, there's no, no city I've lived in longer than Baton Rouge. And it was at a uh, very important time in my life and my wife's life and uh, the relationships we developed have never left us. You know, sometimes they say you live in a city, sometimes the city lives in you. Uh, and that was Baton Rouge for me. So it's uh, it means so much to me to come back and, and work here. And then, wow, and get to work for a, another Hall of Fame coach in Kim Mulkey. Yeah, you know, I was blessed to to come back and see you guys uh, this past Saturday at, at your team camp and, and – uh, you know, I, I, my relationship with Coach Mulkey goes all the way back to me being a student at, at Louisiana Tech. And, and so you get, you guys are at a special place. I, I even told her when I was there that I knew uh, she would she would have it have it going pretty soon at LSU. I didn't realize she would have it going as soon as they did. I mean, what an amazing year last year they had. Well, they did. And, you, you know, that that's what makes her special. Uh, she has uh, unique ability. Uh to get the absolute most out of all the people in her program, whether it's coaches, managers, players. And uh, I think she has some hidden talents within that group that was just waiting for somebody to push them. And, and she hit all those buttons and got some momentum and the community got around them. And it was really something special to see. Well, she, she, she is, is a special person and a special coach, just like she was a special player. And, and I noticed um, some of you guys social media posts, it looks like, uh, those first camps that she had. I mean, I know we had a blast at team camp, but some of those individual camps were, were record breakers, huh, Coach? Well, they were. We're just coming off the uh, largest single week of camp in LSU women's, ball, uh, women's basketball history. Uh, gosh, Terry, I think we had about 430, 440 kids for the, for the week. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just it go, it speaks to who Kim is because Kim really loves camp. She's there the entire time. 
you know, I've only been here for about six, seven weeks, but I can't tell you how many meetings we had about camp, the attention to detail she has, uh, the focus she has on making sure every camper and parent gets everything that they can out of camp. Uh, and that's, that's, that's just who she is. I mean, that everything with her is about being the absolute best you can be, whether we're talking about camp, whether we're talking about defense, whether we're talking about conditioning, uh, it's all about maxing out your abilities. Yeah. You know, I know my, my people on my podcast are probably tired of hearing me say it, but, but, but I, I would say a, a huge reason that I'm coaching women's basketball today is because of those lady texture camps that I worked for 10 years and, and being around coach Barmore and coach Mulkey and Christy Curry and Nell Fortner and uh, rest of soul uh, uh, coach Butkey. And, and, and so, uh, I mean, they, they planted a seed in me, you know, 30 plus years ago that that's still, that's still there, you know? And, and so, yeah, that, that, that commitment to excellence, man. And, and, and I learned it there and uh, hopefully I still got enough fire burning in me that we can, we can keep it going a little longer. <laughs> I have no doubt that you still have that fire. <laughs> well, well, coach. So, the, the the topic at hand is going to be, you know, I want you to give some tips to some future assistant coaches out there and and talk about that. But, but before we do, I mean, the the time you spent at LSU with both the men and the women, just the, some of the names, and and I can go off, but I, but I want you to share that with us. Um, talk about a little bit. Uh, was it now what I don't remember was it you were the men first and then the women is that right coach that's correct that's correct uh, I was actually uh, I was a women's assistant coach at Marshall University when Dale Brown gave me a call and offered me a spot on the staff it was when they had just created the restricted earnings coach so at that time in uh, division one basketball you had a head coach and you had two assistant coaches and basically what they did is they created a part-time position in terms of salary. Now it was a full-time job, you know, I was putting in the time, uh, but I had to max out of $12,000. That was all the uh, NCAA will allow those guys to get paid. But man, I thought I hit the lottery, you know, coming down here and working for, for coach Brown and the staff he had and the players he had and the education I was about to get. So I jumped on it and uh, so glad that I did. Well, quick detour for our young coaches that we've touched on this before. $12,000. One of the things some of these young coaches don't understand is they think they, they see, you know, college coaches these days making this big money. If, if you want to get your foot in the door, you better do it for free or you better do it for pennies to get your foot in and prove your worth to those coaches and those people around you. And then the money, the money will come later on. Yeah, 100%. I, I love to tell the story. My first college job ever uh, was on the men's side at West Virginia State College. It's an AI school, uh, an HBC. And my first contract, I was paid $6,000. Uh, I, I got to live in a dorm free and I got a meal card. And the year before I got there, they'd gone four and 24. My first year, we turned around to 18 and 10, just a phenomenal turnaround. And the athletic director called me and he said, Bob, I, I hate to do this. You've done a wonderful job, but we got to drop your salary from, from 6000 to 4000 uh, and we're not going to be able to afford that mill card this year. And I'm like, okay, Dr. Treadway. So the next year we go 26 and 6, and Dr. Treadway calls me in and says, I, you know, I'm just absolutely embarrassed, but we're in NAI school and we're running out of money. So I'm going to have to cut your salary to 2000 and we're not going to be able to afford your dorm room. And so I loaded up my clothes and moved them into the office. So the next year I lived out of my office 
And we went 31-3. We're national runner-up and just absolutely one of the best times of, of my coaching life. Absolutely love that team. It's my favorite team. Uh, but from there was was the opportunity to, to move on to other jobs. So you absolutely nailed it on the head. There's a lot of young coaches who pass up wonderful opportunities because they're holding out for big money. And the only thing they need to be worried about is the opportunity to to teach and hopefully the opportunity to work for a good head coach. And if you get that starting out, man, that's all you can ask for. Well, coach, we can end the podcast right now. Cause that, that is, I, I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to snag that clip and that's going to go pinned on my uh, social media because that's, that's it in a nutshell, man. Uh, so, so let's, let, let's talk about, uh, man, I'm a, I'm a Louisiana guy. My brother gives me grief because I don't cheer for LSU as much as he thinks I should, but understand I coached at Nichols. I coached, I, I graduated from Louisiana tech. I coached at ULM. So you guys were the opponent for a while, but, but now that I'm back separated and now that you're there and Kim's there, I'm, I'm a, I'm a LSU women's basketball fan again, but but I was definitely an LSU basketball fan when Dale Brown was there. So, and you as well. So uh, tell us a little bit of your, about your time there at LSU during the Dale Brown era. Well, uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy because uh, Dale came along at a time in my life where I needed a different perspective, but I was too young to realize it. I was uh win, 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 you know, all that kind of gung-ho stuff. And I go to work for Dale and, and Dale's more into, you know, how can we do something to affect our community? You know, let's, let's go play a game down at the New Orleans Superdome and, and, and build a homeless shelter, uh, you know. And so the thing I learned from Dale was that basketball was just a tool to shape young people and build communities. And I'd never looked at it like that. And he not only said it, but he lived it. And uh, – uh, I learned a lot about the importance of relationships. You know, when I came to LSU, I was an X and O guy. You know, let's let's we can fix it with a good play. And I learned real quick from Dale that no, no, you learn it from from shaping young people. You know, it's all about relationships, whether it's your players, your managers. You know, do you, do you know the name of the custodian? Uh, you know, do you understand that your secretary is just as important as the athletic director? You know, Dale was all encompassing with everybody in his program. And those were lessons that have lasted me ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Tr tremendous, tremendous guy. And, uh, had a chance to see him speak several times and, and, and I can see that, 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 that bleeds through, you know, you can, you know, in our business, unfortunately, uh, th there's some phonies out there and, and there's some people that do things for the wrong reason. But but Dale Brown has has always again I didn't know him personally but it, it's always shined through that he was a a true person a legit guy. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this, Terry. There's a I'm sure most of your your listeners have, have seen it. There's a a thirty for thirty special on TV with Dale and Shaquille, uh, and their relationship. And I tell people that uh, ESPN could have did that same special with Dale Brown and any of his other players. They picked Shaquille because he was Shaquille. But Dale had that relationship with all his players. And uh, uh, we could do a series of podcasts on what he's done for me and my family personally. But Dale is somebody who invested in the human spirit. That's why kids played so hard for him. You know, kids don't necessarily play hard because they, they want to play hard. You know, they, they need somebody to buy into them and believe in them and, uh, and be there when they trip up and fail. And, uh, you know, those were all the things I learned from Dale. Yeah, tremendous. Uh, before we switch over to the to the women's side, there, um, good Shaq story. Everybody knows Shaq. 
any, any good Shaq story from when he was a young pup? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two that I, I think your listeners would joy, uh, enjoy. Uh, we were, when, when Shaq was a freshman, uh, we had another really good post player named Stanley Roberts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, very talented kid. And Stanley was going through a difficult time with his confidence. And I remember being in a staff meeting and, and, and what we had, Shaquille had been starting and Stanley had been coming off the bench and Shaquille came in the office and said, you know, guys, why don't we start Stanley and bring me off the bench? Maybe starting Stanley will help his confidence. Uh, I, I challenge anybody to find me a kid that would do that now, that would come in and, and offer a chance to come off the bench uh, because he thought it would help a teammate. I mean, he was a phenomenal teammate. Uh, the next story, this, this is, this is after his LSU days, but I, I love telling this uh, when I speak, he was on, campus and we were actually sitting outside in front of the athletic administration building and you know he didn't always have the best relationship with Kobe it was kind of a love-hate brother type relationship and I said man I said I want you to tell me one good thing about Kobe he said coach I'll tell you two he said the first one was he was incredibly intentional he said he never walked in a gym that he didn't have a plan. You know, we would we would grab a basketball and we'd shoot and we might talk about where we're going to dinner tonight or the movie we watched. And he said Kobe went off to a basket by himself and did game shots, game spots, game speed. He said the second thing about Kobe is you never, ever saw him without an iPad. He's walking down the hall. He's got an iPad. He's getting his ankles taped. He's holding an iPad. He's in a hot tub. He's iPad, front of the locker, buzz. I said, well, what's he watching? He told me, he said, he's either watching his last game or his next opponent. He said he, more than any other player to ever been around, he was an incredible student of the game. And, you know, this is the things we tell our kids, Terry, you know, we live in a generation where kids just get to see the ESPN highlights. They don't get to see the grind and the preparation. And they think these guys are just boom, they're great. And they don't understand what goes into greatness, even at the greatest level with, with, with Jordan, with Kobe, uh, Steph Curry. There's so many stories of these guys. And that's why uh, that one story that Shaq shared with me, Kobe, I love to share with our teams. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, Coach, when, you know, when we were there for team camp, you, you shared uh, th that little story about, uh, about Kobe, you know, sh shooting un until I, – I, I forgot the, the, the exact punchline, but if you don't mind, you share that with us real quick, Coach? Sure. Uh, you know, there was a rumor in the NBA that Kobe would spend two, three, four hours working on one move. I mean, one move, like I'm at the top of the key, shot fake, one dribble, step back, boom. He would shoot that same shot for two, three, four hours. And so a friend of mine, Kevin Eastman, who worked for Doc Rivers with the Celtics and the Clippers, ran into Kobe one summer and said, hey, you know, there's this big rumor going around that you'll work on one move for just two, three, four hours. And Kobe said, yeah, that's, that's true. And Kevin goes, well, well, what is it? Two, three, four hours. I said, how long do you work on a move? And Kobe said, until. And so what Kobe said is, I'm not going to the gym for an hour. I'm not going to the gym for, I'm going to the gym till I get this thing down. And then the way he phrased it to Kevin, I think shows the difference in the mindset of the great. He's told Kevin he wasn't working on a shot until he could make it. He was working on a shot until he couldn't miss it. Now that that's a heck of a mindset right there, but that's why those guys are great. Yeah, that's that, that's the difference between good and great. No, no question, no question. Well, now let let's switch over. Uh, we're gonna switch over to the women's side. And, and speaking of the women's side, I got to spend uh, two hours with Coach Carla Berry. That that nut. Uh, 
you know, we, we, uh, your name came up a few times, as you can tell. Uh, and, and then also we were supposed to have, uh, Shanice, man, uh, Shanice McKinney. Now Shanice, first of all, she tried to relive her LSU days and hurt herself. And then, uh, and so she wasn't able to come uh, to the practice date. And then next thing you know, she's at a press conference and, and now she's going back to our alma mater, uh, LaFleur. So uh, those are two girls or, or ladies now in, in your past. So let's talk a little bit about LSU women's basketball while you were there. Well, the most important thing though about LSU women's basketball is, is I got to coach with Sue Gunner. And she was just an amazing woman, amazing person, uh, much like Dale, but different. Uh, but like Dale in that relationship were the most important thing to her. You know, um, Sue had this amazing ability that when you were talking to her, she made you feel like the most important person on earth. And from that moment to her, you were. Uh, she could she could go hang out the back of the PMAC and have a hot dog and a beer with a janitor or she could go with a big uh, fundraiser to Ruth Chris Steakhouse and, and drink some wine. And she just, she had this great ability to connect with people. And, you know, well, you know, I, most everybody knows she's a great coach, but what they forget is she, you know, she was a great player. You know, she won several national championships with outstanding score, at Nashville Business College. And she started a program at Middle Tennessee State and had two undefeated seasons. She's still the winningest coach in the history of Stephen F. Austin. She was an assistant coach on the first ever Olympic women's basketball team. And there was the head Olympic coach on the year that we boycotted her and Dean Smith. So she was walking history. And my favorite thing to do with coach Gunner was to sit on her back porch in the evening and I would just pepper her with questions and she would just, she would educate me on the history of the women's game. And um, she's somebody who has been gone for a long time, but is still with me every day. Uh, she's one of those people when I have a tough decision or go through a tough time, uh, I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, you know, what would Coach Gunner want me to do here? And uh, I'm, I'm just so blessed I got that opportunity to work with her. That's that's amazing. I, I never had the privilege of, of meeting Coach Gunner, but uh, the you know the the way that people still talk to, about her to this day. I, I know Carla feels the exact same way. Um, it's obvious, you know, and, 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 you know, coach, I mean, you and I have been doing this a long time that that's what it's all about. I mean, that's for, for me, that's what it's all about. When, when, when I'm dead and gone for, for one of my players to be able to, to talk to me or about me with one ounce of, of the way they talk about coach Gunner, you know, is, is a, that's a win coach. That's a win. Let, let me with with you with your texture background. Let me give you a story that a lot of people don't know. You know, Sue had uh, a, a marvelous career at Stephen F. Boston, but had been a, an Olympic coach. And when you're the Olympic coach back then, you coached the the junior team, the the Pan American team. And so she had went through the grinder and stepped down uh, to take a year off. And the LSU job opened, and Joe Dean had his sets on Leon Barmore. So he called Leon, said, I need you to come to LSU. I want you to be the LSU coach. He goes, no, no, I'm happy right here. He goes, but I'm going to tell you who you need to call. You need to call Sue Gunner. So, you know, people will see LSU and Louisiana Tech in those days as great rivalries, but but Leon and Sue were friends. And so certainly when the time came, they competed against each other, but Leon was a big reason that, that, that Sue got this job. I, I think that's just a really unique thing. Yeah, and, and, and you know, most people fail to understand that, and, and I'm guilty. I so for Coach Balmore's birthday the other day, I found um, 
uh, a YouTube video that Louisiana Tech had produced and on on Coach Barmore, a little documentary, and it it was talking about his relationship with Pat Summit, and as a lady texter. As a Louisiana Tech graduate, I thought I was supposed to dislike Pat Summit, but 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 like you say, those guys had so much respect for one another and so much admiration for one another. I mean, they, they, they the only time they weren't on the same team is when when during game time. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things I learned. For I had a blessed to have a mentor in Don Meyer, and Don used to have to say this thing that you don't have to hate your opponent to compete at your highest level, and I think that's really true. And I and when you're in this business long enough. Uh, you respect the people that have paved the way. You respect people that with a great work ethic. You respect people that are teachers. And uh, that doesn't mean when that ball's tossed up, you know, you don't want to find a way to beat the heck out of them. But uh, when the game's over, you still have that respect. Now, I think that's a, that's a really unique part of our game. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we'll be right back. And, let's, and then we'll talk about some nuggets to, uh, to help be a great assistant coach. I know it's the 4th of July. Half of our summers are over. But don't let that stop you from dreaming for your next vacation. One of the things that we often do is we book ours almost a year out. It gives us plenty of time to pay it off. Each month we put a little bit on it. And uh, that way it doesn't all hit us at one time. We book it all. We book Disney trips, uh, Disney cruises, weekends with the boys or girls, whatever you need. Just give us a shout, and we'll be happy to help you out. Toes in the Sand Travel, message me or Kim, and we will hook you up. Never any fees. No worries. True story. A friend of ours who we booked on our honeymoon called us from the Dominican Republic on the beach. Resort was giving her an issue. We got on the phone and got it handled. That's what a travel agent does. Let us help you. No fees, no worries. We got you. Back with Coach Bob Starkey. Now, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when, when we were going to do an, uh, an episode on being a great assistant coach, there was nobody better to have. And I mentioned this to, to Coach Starkey at LSU, and he said that's all, all, all he's ever known. Um, and and I, I noticed I looked in your bio earlier, and uh, you've actually done a, a book on the art of being a great assistant. So, so Coach, let's give – Give some of uh, our young guys and gals and, and maybe some some older folks like us some, some tips on being a great assistant coach. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about that book is it was and it was written years ago. Uh, what I did was I sent surveys out to over 100 head coaches and I listed some characteristics that I thought would be important for uh an assistant coach to get their feedback and they would, they would rate them and they give them their, their, their thoughts. And I thought it, it was really, really great. The number one assistant coach characteristic trait that came forth was loyalty and it wasn't even close. Number one thing that, that head coaches are looking for in their assistant coaches. Number two was work ethic. Now the thing to me is here's these head coaches and we're talking about, you know, Pat summit, Billy Moore, Sue Gunner. Uh, I crossed over Lou Holtz was in there. Uh, John Calipari, some of, the, some of the best coaches we could get a hold of, and they said loyalty and work ethic. Well, guess what? You don't have to be incredibly smart, incredibly talented. You don't have to come from uh, a blue blood basketball background uh, to be a good assistant coach if you're loyal and you work hard. And I thought that was very telling. The second thing that really stood out to me is I had listed about 10 characteristics for them to, to choose from. And I said, give me one characteristic that I left off. Boom, overwhelming initiative. 
initiative. And ironically, when I left West Virginia to come work for Dell Brown, my junior high coach, Alan Osborne, who to this day is still a mentor to me, I said, give me something. Give me a piece of advice as I drive uh, out of the hills of West Virginia here down to the bayou. And he says, uh, be the assistant coach you would want if you were the head coach. And I thought that was pretty powerful. So every morning when I get up, you know, my thought process is, is, is what does Coach Malky need me to do today? Do, you know, don't be an assistant coach that waits for the head coach to tell you what to do. Certainly you're going to have assignments and your job description, these things, but look for things to do. Look for things to do. And I think initiatives are really, really big part of it. The next thing I would say to young assistant coaches is be where your feet are. And that's really hard today, as you know, Terry. I mean, everybody's looking for that next job there, you know, but it, I have only in, in 43 years of coaching, I have only applied for one job and I didn't get it. I didn't <laughs> get it. Every other job I got because a head coach recognized uh, something in me and reached out and called me. And so do your job to your best of the ability and the opportunities will come. So I think you're loyal, you work hard, have initiative uh, and, and wherever you're at and give it 100% of your, your energy and your time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Great, great advice. Uh, of all the assistant coaching uh, jobs you've had, I, I asked, by the way, we had uh, Coach Chad Pruitt is also on this episode. And, and, uh, and so, you know, of course, he's got some great Bruce, Bruce Pearl stories. Uh, of all the coaches you've worked for, any, any situation a head coach put you in and you kind of scratched your head and you was like, holy mackerel, I didn't know this was part of my job description. Uh, never scratched my head. And I'll tell you why, because I started out at that NAI school and there was one head coach. There was one assistant coach. We had a part-time manager. Uh, I'll go back West Virginia state college. Here's how practice ended. Practice ended. Uh, I went up to the office, uh, jotted down notes on practice. I wanted to remember for the next day. By that time, the kids were out of the locker room. I went down there, took the jerseys and the shorts, threw them in the washing machine, turned them on, Went back upstairs and watched practice film. Got done, moved the jerseys and shorts to the dryer, put the socks and the jocks in. Uh, went back up and did some recruiting notes. Came down, finished, laid out the practice gear. Laid out the practice gear. Swept the floor. Uh, we built a locker room one summer. Now, I'm, I'm talking about I got a hammer and a saw in my hand, Terry. And I, I'm not saying I'm a carpenter, but we, we, we found a way to, to build a locker room. But. Uh, those days were so important to me uh, because I learned the value of doing what you got to do to get the job done. You know, Coach Meyer would say, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, good assistant coaches know how to suck scum. And that was his way of if you got to pick up trash, if you got to if you got to pick up laundry for the head coach. Uh, very, very early, I had to do those things. And I didn't question because I didn't know any better. And so uh, it was really good for me young to have have those type of responsibilities above and beyond the coaching. And uh, uh, I do think it's important that when you take a job that you have, you're very open-minded, you're very flexible. The only thing you, you, know, you, you, you shouldn't want to do is to break an NCAA rule or, or do something unethical uh, on behalf of a head coach. But other than that, roll up your sleeves, man. Whatever it is you got to do to get the job done and keep the boss happy, I mean, that that's what we need to do. 
Yeah, I remember coming in as a college coach with, my, you know, had no clue what to do. So, so my, the, my, my brain told me this, take that NCAA manual, figure out what you're not supposed to do and do everything else. And, and if it tells you you can make uh, three phone calls, then you make sure you make all three phone calls. So do everything because otherwise it wouldn't be in the manual if everybody wasn't doing it already anyway. So, so get as close to that line as you can without breaking the rule and, and, and you, you're good. Well, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and this is, this is something I learned from Dale. Uh, Dale would tell you the most important characteristic for a coach would be a problem solver. If you're going to complain about problems, if you're going to try to avoid problems, man, you're, you're, you're in the wrong profession. Matter of fact, you're probably in the wrong life. I mean, it's all about solving problems. And your story about the book, that's perfect. Book says you can't do this. Well, don't complain. Find out what the book says you can do and then do that to the best of your ability. That, that, that's a great story. Well, it's like it's like the uh, John Gordon no complain rule, you know. Uh, yeah. Don't complain unless you got an idea for a solution, you know. Here's one from Sue Gunner, you know. Don't, don't I don't want you to complain about how rough the waters are. Just get the boat to the shore. <laughs> good, that's good stuff. Well, Coach, we've only got about five minutes to go, and uh, man, the time has flown. And and I'm, I'm gonna at some point down the line, I'm gonna beg you to come back on, and we'll talk some more. Uh, but but I know that you know this is a fam- this is a family podcast, man. We're all family, we're all brothers and sisters. And I've seen you post this on social media, and 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 so I know I, I, I'm hoping it's okay to ask. It's something near and dear to your heart. I know your wife has had a, a battle with cancer in the past, and I know you posted maybe there was an anniversary approach. Would you mind sharing a little bit about th- that situation and where where your wife is now? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, my wife was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer about 12 years ago. Uh, we went through the chemo and the radiation, and then we had uh, we had to come back and have another battle. And so she had a double mastectomy. Uh, you know, we had a when she was first diagnosed, we sat down and had some long conversations about whether we wanted to be public with our fight or private. By the way, both answers are right. You can pub. I, it's up to the individual, but we decided to be public to see if we could do some good. And I'm, I'm very proud and honored now that I sit on the board of directors of the KL Cancer Fund. Uh, but we, we, we were truly blessed with a great team of doctors and uh, uh, the cancer went into remission. And uh, as of two years ago, she was considered 100% uh, cured. So uh, the only really pain in her life left is me. So, and I'm, I'm not sure there's a cure for that. <laughs> Uh, well, I, you know, I know we're, uh, you know, uh, your, your spouse, your partner is, is what keeps you going when, when, when things are tough at the office, when things are tough on the job. And, and so, you know, uh, that th- we've always got to keep that in perspective. And, and, and I know I just wanted to make a point to, to, for our listeners to hear, hear about her and, and uh, know a little bit about that situation. What, what can we do coach, uh, uh, the KEL foundation? Uh, what can, what can our listeners do if they wanted to contribute or do something uh, in regards to that? Well, there's a wonderful site called the KLcancerfund.com. Uh, certainly they can go there. Uh, donations are great, but a lot of it's awareness. You know, one of the reasons my wife's alive is because of early detection. Um, we got any females, uh, out there, you know, get, get your annual mammogram, uh, learn about it. Uh, by the way, the KL cancer fund is just not about breast cancer. It's about all cancers and women. Uh, but if you're a basketball coach, uh, there's a one in 15 chance 
that a female is going to have some sort of evasive breast cancer. And that's never lost to me after practice when we're, we're, we're in a circle and I'm looking around, there's 15 kids there. So wow. uh, it's, it's, it's a great, you know, have, call your team together, have them raise their hand if any, anybody in, in, in their family has been touched by cancer. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. So uh, there's a lot of things you can do. And maybe we can come back and, and talk about that next year at a podcast, things that uh, a lot of programs do during games and during seasons to raise money and awareness. And it's, it's really important. That's a great idea. And, you know, my, my, my podcast is Hoops Coaching A to Z. And, and that's one of the things that we want to do is we want to be able to touch on every aspect. Because, you know, when you're a coach, you think about the offense, defense and transition, you know, and, but so many things go untouched. And, and in this business, it, it's just a spectrum. And, and every day I think of a new topic. And so, so that's, a, that's a great idea to, to, to do here uh, in the future for sure. Well, it's like Dale said, uh, basketball is just a tool for us to, to find ways to impact young people in our communities. Yeah, there's no question. Well, Coach, this has been a, a, a treat for me. Uh, I, I know our listeners are going, are going to enjoy this and have, have a great uh, – uh, get so much from it. Uh, Fourth of July episode, I could not be more excited about uh, uh, episode number 25 and the Fourth of July episode. And this, this one's going to be hard to top. So – Coach, thanks so much. Give uh, give uh, Coach Mulkey a, a hug for me. Tell her I said hi. And uh, you guys keep doing great things. And thanks so much for spending spending a little time with us, Coach. Yeah, uh, thanks for having us, and thanks for doing it. I, I mean, I think podcasts are important to the growth, and I appreciate what you do for us. Thank you, Coach. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. Please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.